morning. Welcome to Mission View. So glad you're here this morning. My name is Matt, I'm the pastor here. And man, we have started a new sermon series here in our Christmas season. And uh, we've been talking about belief, what it means to believe. And we are looking at kind of the people that are in the story, that experience the story of Jesus' birth. Uh, the first week we started out, we talked about Mary. Um, and then last week, uh, Pastor Adam talked about Joseph, which was awesome. If you missed last week in summer, you got to check it out online. It was ridiculously cool. Um, did a great job with that. Today, we're going to be talking about the wise men. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. We're going to jump around a little bit, though, because uh, really what we're going to find out today is that this story of the birth of Christ started hundreds and hundreds of years before Matthew. Hundreds of years. Some really cool stuff as we're going to dive in and look at the story of the wise men or the magi. All right. Do you have your, your place there in the beginning of Matthew? I'm going to have you turn to Micah now. So keep your finger there at the beginning of Matthew and jump back to the Old Testament to the book of Micah. Micah was written about 700 to 750 years before Jesus' arrival. And Micah says something really, really important for our story today with the wise men. Micah was a prophet uh, to God's people. In the Old Testament, the prophets would speak, and that was as if God was speaking. And they would say things like, thus saith the Lord. And they would give God's word to God's people. Now, God's people were at constant war. There, there was always, always something going on. There was always a people coming against them. And um, Micah is at this time and prophesying during this time of war. And he says something Really interesting, in Micah chapter 5, he says this in verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, you're insignificant. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So we have this, we have this, this, scenario where God's people are at war, the prophet comes, and he's, he's giving all of these, these prophecies about war, but then he, he brings in this really strange prophecy about Bethlehem. This small, small, insignificant, not even thought about, too small to be even considered among the clans of Judah. And he brings this prophecy out. One, the ruler of Israel will come to Bethlehem. Just really wild that, that this would that the prophet Micah would say this. Now, now we have we have the um, we have the ability to look back, look at Old Testament scripture, look at New Testament scripture, and make sense of this. But can you imagine in the time that, that this prophet Micah was saying this, how confusing this would have been? I mean, as he's saying this to God's people, they'd be out there thinking to themselves. Who cares about Bethlehem? We're at war here. You know, we have to deal with these people that are coming against us. Why are you? Who is this ruler that's, that's going to come out of Bethlehem? Who is this? What are you talking about? Now, we get to look back at this and say, wow, 700, 750 years-ish before Jesus even arrives on the scene, the prophets are talking about this Jesus that would show up. 
He would be the ruler of Israel who's coming forth from old, from ancient days. He's always been around. This isn't any normal guy that, that they're talking about. This was, this was an amazing prophecy. And it, it really leads us into Matthew chapter 2. Um, and, and where we're going to be going today. So let's pray before we jump into Matthew chapter 2. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Now, as we open your word today, Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would change our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would, would move on us and change us and grow us and make us the people you've called us to be. God, use me for your kingdom and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there we go, of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. All right, I'm going to stop right there. These are wise men from the east. The east, far from where God's people were, far from where the, the, the scriptures, the holy scriptures would have been. How in the world did these wise men from far, far away know about this star? How did, how did they even know that this was the star of the Son of God, that this was a sign from heaven? How did they even know? We have to... We have to do a little bit of study here and figure this out and, and where these guys were coming from. In Numbers 24, verse 17, it says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It will crush, shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Okay, so, so we have kind of a foretelling of a star that's going to come out of Jacob, that there, there was going to be a sign of one who would come. And we have the prophecy from Micah talking about. So these are, these are scriptural things that, you know, you could kind of connect the dots and make sense of things. But here's where it gets really weird. These are wise men from the Far East, you know, very separated by long distance from, from the scriptures. How in the world did they know about this stuff? I mean, how, how would they know? It's interesting. Now, I'm pointing this out because I want us to realize the lengths of which God is willing and will go to make sure his word and his will comes to pass. You see, the Far East, there was this time in the Old Testament where, where God's people were deported from their land. The Babylonians came in and conquered, and for 70 years, there was, there was a deportation of God's people to the Far East. And one of those guys that was, that was kicked out of the land was named Daniel. You're probably familiar with this guy in scriptures. Daniel went to the Far East in Babylon. And what do you think the prophet Daniel shared? God's word, God's word. For that 70 years, God's people were, were out of their land with the Babylonians. And in that time, they probably took wives from the Babylonian people, but they shared God's word with those in Babylon. These wise men 
received God's word at that time. Think about this. Yet as we read the Old Testament, we see the prophets come and, and God's people would always stray from God's truth or God's law. The prophets would come and bring a word of judgment. And, and, and I don't know about you, but as I read some of those stories, I feel like God is being so harsh with, with his people. Like, but then you look at God's people and they're always doing really silly things that they shouldn't do and going so far from where God's commanded them. And, and I try and make sense of the Old Testament, how God dealt with his people. And, and you see, wow, 70 years you're kicked out of their land and they're in Babylon, which was a terrible place, horrific place. God, how could you do this to them? You know, these are your people. I thought you were going to protect them and care for them. And then we get to the New Testament. The wise men show up. God had a plan. God worked his will in and through the lives of the Israelites, the Jewish people. And, and even though they would sin and, and would, would stray from God's word and God's truth and God's law, and God would have to bring his judgment on them, and oftentimes he would bring a people to conquer them or deport them from their land in order to bring them back to himself and in order to to fulfill the prophecies of his son's coming. You know, so many times in our lives, we, we look at things and we're just like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? This doesn't make sense. I, I, I can't put two and two together right here. Two and two doesn't equal four. Two and two equals like two. This is hard. I don't understand it. So as I, as I dive in, into God's word and I, I hear about these wise men, you're like, man, how did they hear about this? How did they know about this prophecy? How did they know about God's word? You see the extent of which God will go to fulfill his word, to fulfill the prophecies about Christ. I don't know about you, but as I dive into this kind of stuff, I, get, I just get reassured in my faith that God is really powerful that God is really concerned about you and me and, and our lives and what's going on in our lives. But more than that, God is concerned about the glory of his son, Jesus Christ. Look at the, the 700 and some years of, of prophecy that was fulfilled. I mean, even it goes further back than that as we quoted for numbers. It was, it was way before that. God will go extensive amounts to reveal to us his heart, his will, his purpose, and his glory. As we start reading these stories and hearing about the birth of Christ, let's not forget, let's not forget about the power of God and what he wants to do. These wise men were also named the Magi. Now, this word comes from the word magus or Magi, which means magic. That's kind of where we get our word magic. But um, there's so many, there's so many different like avenues we could go down with this, um, because really what it comes down to is the Bible really doesn't give us much to go on with these guys. So I, I think over the years, theologians and pastors and uh, guys that just love to study have just dove into it really deep and said, okay, maybe they were these astronomers and they were studying the stars and they were, maybe they were into the mystical astrology stuff and, and all these other things. And, and honestly, the scriptures just don't give us that much to go on. 
And I think that we, that's okay. I think we can be okay with God did something really miraculous and revealed it to these guys. We don't need to know the details about their lives, their history, and what they were doing. We just need to know that God was using them for a specific pur- purpose and reason. And God put this story in his word on purpose. So what can we gather from it? What is it about the wise men that is pertinent for me and you today? That's really what I want us to get to as we read through this. Let's continue on um, in Matthew chapter 2. I'll pick us up here at the end of verse 2. When it rose and have come to worship him. I think that's really important. They came to worship the Christ. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. There he is, quoting the Old Testament text. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and Frankenstein. Anybody ever heard that one? It's not Frankenstein. Frankincense. The kids, I love sharing this story with the kids. They always love that. Frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Man, what a great story. I mean, as we dive into kind of the history of where these guys came from and the the actual miracle that had to take place for them to get the, the word of God and the scriptures to even go from. We see that God supernaturally moves on the hearts of these magi or wise men to reveal God with us, Emmanuel. This miracle of revelation is something we are dependent on as well. You and I are dependent on this revelation as well. There's three things I want us to, to really wrap our minds around the wise men. Three things. And it really starts with this. When Jesus comes, what should our response be? I think that the wise men model for us kind of what our response should be when Jesus shows up, when Jesus is active in our lives. So I'm going to give you three things that that we see here we can kind of take away from the wise men. When they saw, in verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Anytime you see in God's word where it kind of gets redundant, exceedingly with great joy, this, it is making a big point of this, this exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. So the first thing that, that these magi, these wise men do when Jesus comes is they worship. They worship. They have come from afar to worship Jesus. So when Jesus comes to us, one of our responses should be worship. When Jesus comes, 
we worship. This is why we gather every Sunday together. It's why we get together in community groups through the week, is that we want to worship God. We want our lives to be an expression of worship to God, sacrificing for Him, giving our lives, our time, our talents, our treasures to Him. We are a worshiping people. Christians are a worshiping people. We are grateful and thankful for what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ. Because see, here's the reality, is that all of us in this room, at one point in our lives, were lost. We were all without Christ at one time in our lives. And by some supernatural, miraculous happening, God opened our eyes to our lostness. And, I, and we realized, man, this is not the direction life is supposed to go. This is, this is not purpose. This is not sustainable. This is not good. What is going on? And God, in his grace and mercy, opens our eyes and says, I have something so much better for you than what you're experiencing right now. I have meaning for you. I have purpose for you. And it can only be found in my son, Jesus Christ. All of us, all of us were dependent on that revelation of who God is, who Jesus is, who I am, what I have done, and how Christ has made a way for me to be in right relationship with my creator and that the Holy Spirit God comes to live in me when I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. All of us are dependent on that revelation that the wise men received. Now, what are we doing with that revelation? Is the revelation of Jesus Christ that, that God would send his only son, is it, is it motivating us to worship? Is it motivating us to come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and celebrate that revelation? Is it motivating us to live a life, like it says in Romans 12, 1, a life of sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God, holy meaning set apart, that it's different than the world, and, and that it's set apart for God? I mean, is, are we living that life of worship, that passionate worship? When we come on Sunday mornings, is it, is it, is it just the chaos of, of trying to get everybody ready and, and coming in and, and walking in and, 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 and just trying to make it happen? Or, or are our hearts prepared for worship? Have I been, have I been really thinking about, about what it means to be a Christian through the week? Have I been sharing my faith and, and, and doing, doing the things that God calls us to do, opening his word and studying? And am I prepared for worship on Sunday mornings? You think about the wise men and the distance they had to travel just to show up. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of things that are kind of misconstrued about these wise men. They, they weren't there um, in the barn. You know, Jesus was born uh, in the manger. That's not when the wise men sh showed up. They showed up much later on because their journey was very far. Jesus, we can see that the, the words used here for Jesus, the child, this is not an infant. This is, this is more of a toddler, child, uh, the word that's used for him here. They showed up much later. This was a long and hard journey for them. 
Now, uh, there's another myth that there's three wise men. We don't know that. The text really doesn't tell us that. We know there was three gifts. So maybe there was three, maybe there's two, maybe there was 20. We really don't know. But we know they came a long ways. They made great sacrifices to come and worship God. You know, as we think about the revelation that God does in our lives and opens our eyes to see the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's not take for granted that supernatural work. Has anybody here ever tried to walk around in the dark? Maybe you get up really early to, to study or, or work out or something and your spouse is still sleeping and so you try and go get ready in the dark it is really difficult. It's really hard. You might stub your toe on the corner of the bed or something. It's just all you need is just that little bit of light, right? All you need, you know, maybe you just grab your phone and turn on the light. It's amazing how quickly you can get ready when the lights are on and how hard it is. I know at one time um, I was getting ready early in the morning. I had some place to be in a meeting to go to. And um, Janelle was sleeping. It was really early. So I get up and I get dressed and I'm like flying out the door because I got to make it to this meeting early in the morning. I think we were meeting at like seven o'clock in the morning. And so, so I'm, I'm dressed. And I had about a 45 minute drive. So I think I was leaving around 545 or something. Anyways, I'm driving down there and I get to the place where I'm meeting this, this mentor I had. I really respected this man. I wanted to look nice and, 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 and look really well. And um. And I get there and I walk into the restaurant and we open the restaurant really. It's just a few servers and, and restaurant people there. And my shirt's on inside out. That's fun. That's fun. Just a little bit of light would have made all the difference in the world. It's hard to walk around in the dark. And that's what life is like before Christ comes into our lives. We're walking around with our shirt on inside out. We probably have food all in our beard, if you have a beard. It's a mess. We're a mess. We have no idea. We think everything's just fine. And we're walking around looking like a mess. And it's in that mess God reveals who he is, who Christ is. A part of our worship is responding to that revelation and sacrificial change. Giving up things. Here's what I mean by sacrificial change. Giving up things that we once held as good, but now know they're not good. Right? Anybody ever experienced some of that? You know, you're just going about life and you're enjoying certain things and, and, and you're just going along. And then all of a sudden, all, you know, you've, you've given your life to Christ. And, and I don't know how God does this, this progressive work of change in us, Right? But you're just everything, you were fine with this kind of stuff, you know, for years. And then all of a sudden you're sitting down to watch this TV show, whatever it is, and you're watching through it and you get halfway through the episode and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't remember this show being like this. I don't remember this kind of language or this kind of, you know, other things going on in this. And then all of a sudden you, you feel this, this like conviction, right? This, this it's, it's not like a condemnation or anything. It's just this like, oh, I shouldn't, maybe we should uh, find a different show to watch, right? No, that's, that is the revelation, the, 
eyes opening of, of God working in our lives. That is the very work of God the Holy Spirit bringing about change in our lives. And, and this, this relationship, this journey we're on, doesn't end at salvation, the revelation of the work of Christ. It continuously goes on as, as God grows us and, and changes us. And, and that should fuel our worship. Let me just say to you, as you're watching this show and, and you feel a sense of conviction or, or you're going somewhere that you, maybe you shouldn't be going or saying something that you shouldn't be saying or doing something you shouldn't be doing and, and you feel this conviction, don't get all depressed. Don't feel, don't feel all sad about it. Sure, recognize that it is change and, and you need to go away from it, but recognize it as the working of God the Holy Spirit in your life. This isn't something to be depressed about. This is something that we celebrate in worship. So it's not just the revelation of salvation and the, the gift of Jesus to us. It's that continual revelation that God is doing and changing in us through the power of his Holy Spirit that propels us to worship. So when Jesus comes to us, our response is worship. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for changing me. These are the things that, that motivate and fuel our worship. It's amazing work that God does in our lives. Worship isn't just coming on Sunday mornings. Worship isn't just singing songs. It's serving others. It's leaving the leaving of selfish desires and pursuing what God calls good. Worship is recognizing our place as well recognizing who he is and who I am. What does it say the wise men did when they saw Jesus? They worshiped, but what they did something specifically. Do you remember? They knelt. They knelt down as if before the king, right? Could you imagine going before, well, the king of kings in this, this instance, the king of all kings and lord of all lords, What's the correct response for us? It's, it's not something we do in America all that often, right? This kneeling down, this humbling oneself and bowing, bowing down before someone. It's an odd position for us. But it's a recognizing of who we are and who he is. This reverence and humility that that we're propelled to by who he is and what he's done. Let's continue on in our text. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the second filling in your notes is this. When Jesus comes to us, we give. We give. The wise men gave generously to the Lord because they believed who he was. They believed Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, the one promised, the one prophesied hundreds of years before. This was God, man in flesh. He was here, Emmanuel, God with us. He was the one that was going to make the wrong things right. He was going to bridge the gap of humanity and divinity. He was going to make a way. And these wise men believed it. It wasn't just some idea. It wasn't just some, some prophecy of old that would never come to pass. They believed it. 
110%. Enough so that they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, this was, this was a lot of money. This was a lot of sustenance here because really what happens is, and I'll give away a little bit of the rest of the story, but Herod, you know, he, he goes after Jesus. He, he's, he feels threatened by this new king of the Jews, right? And he wants, to, he wants to off him. He wants to get rid of him. So when he's talking to these wise men, hey, when you find him, come tell me. I want to worship him too with the sword, right? And so God, knowing what's going to happen, sends these wise men with a ton of money and they just give a ton of money to Jesus because they love him and worship him. And what else do we do when the king of kings comes into our lives? We give him all we are, everything we have, because we know it's all his anyways. And this was enough money to sustain Jesus's family, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, for at least a couple of years as they fled from Herod. This was a lot of money. They realized, and they really, truly believed. Man, this whole sermon series and the idea of belief is really important for us. And you've heard me say it before, but our, what we believe determines what we do. What I believe determines what I do. It determines my actions. And there's this, there's this, this belief and idea of of faith and understanding and grasping a, a truth. And, and we see it even this tension in scripture where, where you, you hear one man say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like there's, like we can believe, but there can be pockets of things that, that we struggle to understand and grasp. And Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And then we have this idea of belief or believing that, and it says that even the demons believe and they tremble. So, so there's this, there is a saving belief and that there's a belief that isn't saving because demons aren't saved. And then there's a belief in God that we believe in God. He is who he says he is, but there's this, there's, I struggle to believe even in this. Here's some really good things about that is, did you know that, that it's okay to have questions about Christianity? Did you know it's, it's okay to have doubts about certain things? That this whole thing called faith and relationship with, with divinity, a relationship with a creator God, there, there's actually things in this faith that it's, it's okay just to really struggle with. Like, there's some things that we don't fully understand. And Scripture makes it clear. I mean, it doesn't hold it back on this. It, it says, like, right now we see, it's like looking in a mirror dimly. It's, it's like, it's all foggy, and I can almost make it out. I can kind of see the shape and everything else, but, but it's almost there. But when Christ comes, we will see clearly. There's, there's these things that that it's hard to wrap our minds around that, like, like the Trinity. I mean, we, we make up a word, Trinity, it's not in Scripture. We make that up to, to kind of wrap our minds around this God that we serve being three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If anybody can explain that fully and has full knowledge of that, can you please fill me in? I mean, theologians have worked on this for centuries. 
I just want to share with you. It's okay. It's okay to not have every answer to every question because you're not God and I'm not God. And there's things in our faith, in our relationship with God that are difficult because we're human. We're not God. And that's okay. I, I think sometimes I've talked to so many people that they're afraid to say, oh, I, I really don't fully understand the Trinity. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. None of us do. I mean, some guys pretend and they, and they blog about it and they have YouTube channels, but trust me, they don't. <laughs> they don't understand. It's okay. It's this idea of believing you know, it's, it's a struggle and it's a working of our faith and God active in our lives. That's, that's okay to work through those things. Seeking the truth that God would reveal himself in powerful ways in our lives. These wise men, these magi, believed the teachings and scriptures of how Jesus would come, take away their sins, and pay the penalty for the wrongs they had done and thought. They were, so, they were moved so deeply they were so convinced of this truth, they had to show him in some tangible way that they were thankful. They gave. They gave generously. And we don't give just because God tells us to. We give because we believe that everything we have is his. We believe that he is gracious and merciful, and we believe that, that he is good that he's working in our lives, that Jesus was a real person and died a real death for you and me. And he has made it our joy to give to him. Giving is an act of worship just as much as it is an act of obedience. Did you hear me on that? That's a hard one. Giving is an act of worship just as much as it is an act of obedience. God works through our giving. We just talked about that as we did the treasure principle just a few weeks ago. And it was because of this obedience. It was because of the wise men's generosity and worship that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were, were able to escape Herod's wicked plan. They were able to, to get away and be sustained through that. Can you believe that? The wise men saved Jesus' life. Now, I believe God would have done whatever he would have done and has sovereign power to do his will and make his will happen. But he used that gift that the wise men gave to save Jesus' life and sustain his family. Our giving is for our good and the extension of God's kingdom. Let's move on in verse 12. And it says, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They departed another way. So they were warned in a dream, and they went home another way. The wise men were obedient and left without telling Herod. This is risky. This is risky for them. If the king tells you, hey, do this, and you don't do it, that's a big risk. They, they were putting their lives at risk. But they believed. They believed in Jesus. When Jesus comes to us, we obey. When Jesus comes to us, we obey. Herod would have killed Jesus on sight, trying to protect his place as leader. 
The wise men did what they were told and went home another way. I'm guessing that it probably wasn't the best way to go home. (laughs) I'm guessing they probably came the easy way, the most direct route, the safest route. And when the angel came to them and told them, hey, whoa, 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 or in the dream, told them, you can't go back the easy way. Now, I know, I know, like, there's mountains and there's bandits and there's dangers and there's all of this, you know, maybe it was desert upon desert and it's going to be more expensive, I know. It's going to be harder. It's going to be riskier. It's going to be more difficult for you. But you need to go home a different way. You got to go a different way. You think about that. What they had to go through. What this, this different way could have, could have been like that. But they, but they did it. They were obedient. Why? Because they believe. They believe Jesus was the prophesied Messiah. If you're here today and you don't believe that Jesus is the prophesied Messiah... I want to tell you he is. Jesus was foretold, prophesied about multiple times, hundreds of years before he came. The prophecies we've read talked about where he would be born, that he would be born of a virgin. It tells about his death, his burial, his resurrection. We have more historical evidence of the person of Jesus Christ and what he did than we have in our modern history books in our high schools today. Jesus was a real person, and he is really God. He rose from the dead. And and this isn't just some made-up idea story. His resurrection was witnessed by over 500 eyewitnesses documented in Scripture and outside of Scripture. Jesus was a real person. Now, all historians agree on that. Jesus was a real person. Now, he was either a raving lunatic or he was the son of God, God in the flesh. I mean, the things that he said and the things that he did would have been insanity if it were not true that he was God in the flesh, doing what he said he would do, coming to make a way for humanity to be in right relationship with the creator. That's a, that's a reality that all of us have to come to gra- grips with. And I want you to know that Jesus was a real person. He lived a perfect life and then died a sinner's death for you and me. And the scriptures simply say, if you put your faith in the work that Jesus did. If you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, not some ranting, raving lunatic, but He was God in the flesh, and you trust in Him for your salvation, not your good works, not any deeds that you can do can save you, only the work of Christ saves us. If you trust in Him, you can be in right relationship with your Creator. If you believe, It's not this 
this believing, this, it's just a mustard seed of faith. You guys know how big a mustard seed is? I believe right now there's people here that God is revealing to you who he is. And I, I can't do it. It takes, it really takes a miraculous work of God the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. Like I was talking about, all of us at some point were lost apart from God. But God in his grace and mercy and supernatural power opens our eyes to see, to see who he is and what he's done for us. Now, the, uh, the wise men, they had these, these, this direction from the Lord, right? They said, you got to go home a different way. Maybe harder, maybe more dangerous, maybe longer. You know, maybe your trip's going to be a little, your journey's going to be a little further. But they had, they had just a really clear direction, right? So you may be sitting out there like, Matt, that's great for them. They had a dream. They, you know, they knew what was going on. What are we doing? What about, a, how, does, how does that work for me and you, Right? I want to share with you the words of Jesus, and it's kind of his words for us today. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has come to me and you. And he has given us clear direction. I mean, it is undeniable. I mean, it is, it is as clear as day. You don't have to wait for it in a dream. You don't have to wait for it in a prophecy from some prophet. You don't, you don't have to wait for an angel to appear to you. Jesus in the flesh says, go, therefore, make disciples, teach them, teach them what I've commanded you. This is, this is God's word for us. And you know what? It's just like the wise men. It may be uncomfortable. It may be a hard way. It may be dangerous. It may take longer. You may have to step out of your comfort zone. But he makes it really clear. We get so comfortable with our Christianity. Coming on Sunday mornings and talking with our friends that sometimes we... We forget our marching orders that Jesus gave us. We are meant to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's, here's the reality behind it too, is if, if you're not sharing your faith, if you're not talking to someone about Jesus, it's that lose-lose scenario, right? Because as we talk and share our faith with others, our faith is strengthened. And as we talk and share our faith with others or, or those who don't believe, there is an opportunity in that that they would receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. We get to be obedient to Scripture. Our, our faith gets to be strengthened. We get to, to share the good news, the testimony of God working in our lives. We get to have the opportunity to see someone receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. So these three things, these, the wise men did in response to Jesus coming in their lives. When Jesus comes to us, we worship. When Jesus comes to us, we give. And when Jesus comes to us, we obey. I have three things I think the wise men really got because they really believed. So as I've shared all this, these different things, 
you know, sharing our faith, giving to the Lord, worship, what our worship looks like. What in those three things? I don't know about you, but as, as I was preparing today's sermon, I was like, man, my worship could be a little better. I could spend a little more time preparing my heart for worship throughout the week. And that, then there were there some things I was looking at in my life, and I was like, you know, I'm not really obedient very much in this. You know, I'm, I'm missing the mark here on these things. You know, maybe, maybe I could be a more generous person, you know? When was, when was the last time I, I kind of, you know, paid for somebody's food when I was going through the drive-thru line, right? It's always fun to do. But where is it? I, I think we have to ask ourselves some hard questions on this. Where is it? Where is it we're missing the mark in these three things? Because Jesus has revealed himself to you. He's opened our eyes. Where is it God wants us to grow? Now, if you don't know Jesus, is now the time that God's coming into your life? Is right now when he's opening your eyes? Is the Holy Spirit moving on your heart right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we know that this story of the wise men and their experience isn't in here for no reason. But God, you have purpose in these things. God, I pray that, that our response to the revelation of your son, Jesus, God, that it would fuel our worship, that it would fuel our generosity, and God, it would fuel our obedience to you. So God, I just pray right now that you would continue to open our eyes to who you are, what you have done in our lives. God, right now I just pray for everyone sitting here and, and the things that you're revealing to them that you want them to grow in. God, give them courage right now to step out in faith. Give them courage to do the things that you've called us to do. God, make us a courageous people for your kingdom. People's eternity depend on it, Father. Make us a courageous people for you. Lord, I pray that we would lay our lives down as a sacrifice for you. God, make us more concerned about your glory than our comfort. Make us more concerned about your kingdom than our own stuff. Lord, in this time, in this season where we are remembering Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, we pray that you would change us, that that revelation would change us and grow us in Jesus' name. Amen.